Well, have you met people who think that their way is right and true? That their thinking, their opinions, their ways, it's right and it's, and it's true. It, why are you guys laughing? <laughs> That's very timely. And Linda, I saw you pointing to somebody. I wasn't sure who you were. but <laughs> Okay. I'll be available this week in my office if you need counseling with any. Okay. Well, if you haven't met anybody like that, just take a walk through social media, and I'm sure you'll find someone, especially on Facebook, many who voice what they believe to be true. Now, there is what is true, but there's also, too, what is truth. What is truth? And there's a difference there. This image might help you understand the concept a little bit more. There's, there's the viewpoint of this object that what is true is it's a square. Yeah, from that perspective. What is also true is that it's a circle from another perspective. But what is truth is that it's a cylinder. <laughs> and sometimes we need perspective in things and see the viewpoint in other ways. There are always people that can help us get the proper perspective. They are there to help, and God's word is the same way. It's like a, a huge helper that wants us to do well in our lives, uh, to live the way God's uh, desire is laid out for us. It cheers us on and instructs us in the things that we should do. Now, there are some people who take instruction a bit too literally. Like, for instance, this guy who likes to draw bridges because the sign says, draw a bridge. Yes, yes. Don't think that was the point. Or the next guy, uh, this, this wonderful pet owner, <laughs> pick it up. Pick up. I don't think that helps with a mess. Anyway. Or this other person, I don't know how safe this is. I mean, if you can read that sign, go hands-free now. <laughs> and so the motorcyclist is going, yep, I'm doing it. Or this picture here of uh, this, this is pillows in a pillowcase because uh, it's what happened when the wife asked her husband to put the pillowcases on the pillows. Okay, honey. Yeah. Or this picture. <laughs> when the, when the, uh, this happened when uh, um, one, one guy asked his brother he could, if he could eat half of his grapes. He said, sure. Each grape, half of a grape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or this guy that went to the <laughs> coffee shop and the barista, after was told, I spell my name Brian with a Y. Yeah. Of course, Brian with a Y. Thank you. Pretty literal there. Well, one of the keys to following the Lord and growing spiritually is to take instruction well. Maybe not so literally, but well. And when we listen to God's instructions and follow them sincerely, we are on our way down the road of instruction and on our way to spiritual maturity. Now, we continue our journey on the road to Jesus by traveling down this road of instruction, where we're going to see that we need to love God with everything we have and tell His story for the next generation. So, twofold plan here on this road of instruction. Now, some of you have experienced some toll roads before. Um, maybe not fairly many here in Oregon, although 205 is getting kind of close. I guess they're looking to do that. But there's plenty around in Austin, Texas. I know of this because we get a monthly bill <laughs> from Brianna's driving around to the area. And so we pay that toll. 
But just like those roads requiring tolls, there are some requirements to be on the road of instruction, as we will see here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And if you haven't yet turned to that chapter, we're going to read through this uh, chapter, kind of follow along here in a little bit. And we're going to discover some things that, uh, uh, about this chapter that will help us on our road of instruction. Just like toll roads require that toll fee, the road of instruction has some requirements as well. First of all, the road of instruction requires us to learn and lean on God's word. Learn and lean on God's word. Follow along if you haven't gotten there yet. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to look at the first three verses. Verse 1, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. So how one person defines success may be quite different from how another person defines it. The definition of success, basically success is the state or condition of meeting a defined range of expectations. It may be viewed as the opposite of failure, but the criteria for success uh, depend on context. It may be relative to a particular observer or belief system. It's what you see and how you define success in the context you're in. For instance, the CEO of a very productive company who is worth billions of dollars is just as successful as the missionary who gives up everything to live among people of a third world country in order to share and show God's love. Both successful in that way. And here the writer of Deuteronomy says that the key to success for an Israelite living in Canaan was to learn the commands, the decrees and laws the Lord your God directed. So the keeping of the law promised success while disobedience, neglect, or indifference to the law guaranteed failure. In the previous chapter, in chapter 5, Moses communicated the Ten Commandments to the, to the people of God. And just prior to revealing the, uh, these div divine decrees, he commanded his audience, learn them and be sure to follow them. There are ways to learn the, the different laws of, of God. Uh, the Ten Commandments, some of you have heard the song that Becky shares with the kids during VBS uh, about the perfect ten. And so after the kids get done with singing that song after a bit, they know the Ten Commandments. And they understand those are the ones there that are in the song. There are a bunch of different ways that we can learn those things. But how can we be more committed to learning God's Word? Rick Warren, a pastor and author, shares these steps in being more committed to learning God's Word. I'd like to share with you as well. First of all, he says, make the decision to do it. Just make the decision to do it. It starts with your commitment. Don't wait for a better time to, to make God's Word a regular part of your life. Start your commitment today. Those who procrastinate, that's going to be a tough thing to do, but do it today. A second step he, he 
talks about is make a, de- a declaration. Make a declaration. Announce your intentions to others. Hold yourself accountable. Because if you keep your commitment to God a, a secret, it's easier to slip up. Easier to let it go. Unless you have someone who knows this is what you're doing, you give them permission to say, hey, how's that going? So you can keep accountable in that way. He says also, make a determination. Make a determination. Don't allow anything to knock you off your commitment. Be absolutely determined to make this a permanent habit in your life, particularly in the early months. And if you start skipping days, it'll be much harder to stay committed to God's word. So make a determination. And then finally, he says, double up. It's just double up. Get a spiritual partner to come alongside you for support and encouragement. This is someone with, with whom you can share what you learn in your quiet times. It could it be someone in your small group, maybe a friend or a family member. And I would say it would be part of the, possibly part of our men's ministry where we can help each other learn more about God's Word, maybe even memorize Scripture in that way. You double up, get a spiritual partner, come alongside you for that kind of support. And research shows you need to do something for about six weeks straight to build a habit. So if you ever want to build a habit, that, that's kind of the, the duration of that. Those who have taught me effectively in the ways of God had, had a two-point process. The first part of it was that they instructed, they shared, they, they helped me understand some you know, scripture and, and principles of God's word. But the second part was is that they also demonstrated it. They lived it out. And so someone who, who wants to effectively share this and be used by God in someone's, someone else's life, you've got to be able to instruct, but you also have to demonstrate. You have to live it as well. And looking ahead, the, the prophet warrior Joshua was giving the same warning on the plains of Moab. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So the elements that determine the success of the mission never changed. The inheritance of the land wasn't based upon a complex military strategy. The final instructions just before crossing the River Jordan to the Promised Land was not sharpen your sword or or load your quiver. Victory was based upon lean on the book of the law. Lean on God's word. The success of the mission then was based upon one's ability to learn and to lean on God's word. And the key to success is still the same today. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, a very familiar verse to you, I'm sure. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And when, we, when we have an important decision to make, we sometimes feel that we can't trust anyone, not even God. But God knows what's best for us. He is a better judge of what we want than we are. <laughs> We must trust Him completely in every choice we make. We shouldn't ignore the careful thinking or or belittle our God-given ability to reason. Those things are important. But we shouldn't trust our own ideas to just the exclusion of all the others. We must not be wise in our own eyes, but be willing to listen to and be corrected by God's Word and wise, godly counselors. So bring your decisions to God in prayer. Use the Bible as your guide and then follow God's leading. 
and He will direct your paths by both guiding and protecting you. So learn and lean on God's Word. Another requirement that we see here on the road of instruction is to listen and love God. Listen and love God. Verses 4 through 9, let me read those to you, starting with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So these five verses are commonly known among Jewish people as the Shema. And these words, especially verses five or four and five, are still confessed by every Jew each morning and every evening because it represents the heart of the Jewish faith. The Shema. The Shema is, is simply the first Hebrew word in verse 4, which tra- is translated in the English as hear. Hear. But what is to be heard in the Shema? There are two things that need to be heard in the Shema. One, Yahweh, or the Lord, is one God and God alone. And then secondly, love Yahweh, the Lord, with everything you have. Now, the Hebrew word translated one in the NIV and King James Version is is rendered differently in the New Revised Standard Version, which chooses to understand the word not as one, but as alone. And so the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. But the word might best be understood as not um, conveying one or the other, but both. Both meanings together indicating that by by his oneness, he stands as the sole God. Yahweh is one God and God alone. And also the Shema sums up the first and second commandments. You shall shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make for yourself an idol in, in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. So polytheism is is just as prevalent today as it was for the Israelites about to enter Canaan. It's all around us. It might not take the shape of an ancient god idol, but anything that uh, demands our ultimate security is a form of idolatry. If we don't have our security in the Lord and we have it in something else, be careful, that might be becoming an idol in your life. Martin Luther believed, whatever your heart clings to and relies upon, that is your God. Trust and faith of the heart alone make both God and idol. So for this reason, the Shema continues to be at the center of our Christian faith. It must be heard today because God demands our our complete attention and allegiance to Him alone. And we see this uh, played out when Jesus concluded His talk about treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven from Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And Jesus says we can have only one master. We live in a materialistic society, don't we? Where people want to save money, they hoard money, they want to hold on to their possessions, they get more possessions, they spend all their lives collecting and storing it only to die and leave it behind. (laughs) 
Their desire for money and what it can buy far outweighs their commitment to God and spiritual matters. Whatever you store up, you will spend much of your time and energy thinking about because you don't want it to be destroyed. You don't want it to fall to harm. You, 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 you value it. And so whatever, whatever you store up, you will spend much of your time and energy thinking about it. So be careful not to fall into the materialistic trap because as 1 Timothy chapter 6 tells us, the love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil. And then the second command to be heard is, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus quoted this passage when confronted by a teacher of the law back in Mark chapter 12. If you recall, the teacher asked him to choose the most important one from all the commandments. And Jesus lands on the Shema. And not only does the Shema sum up the first and second commandments, uh, but every command seems bent toward it like a, a compass pointing north. And for this reason, love and faithful obedience go, go hand in hand in this. And to obey is to love God with every aspect and element of one's being. And Jesus taught this simply by saying in John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will obey what I command. It's astounding to think that the Creator God, the one who who brought all things into existence, desires most of all to be in loving relationship with His creation. So listen and love God. And then another requirement here on the road of instruction is to never lose sight of Him. Never lose sight of Him. Verses 10 through 19, let me read those to you, starting with verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into land, He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord our, your God. Serve Him only and take your oaths in His name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God, and His, his anger will burn against you, and He will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not test the Lord your God as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees He has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you, and you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers, thr uh, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. We are forgetful people. <laughs> we are. I forgot the men's questionnaire, ministry questionnaire, a couple Sundays ago to get it out. Rem remembered it late. <laughs> Um, and if, if there's anything I forget going out to my car, it's my keys. I can't tell you how many times I've closed that door, uh, locked door of our house, out to the car and go, oh, I have to go back and try to get inside the house. How many times I've done that? And throughout the week, I have this wonderful list provided by Stephanie Frentress, left me instructions on how to make sure things are done and, and, and taken care of through the week so that Sunday is ready to go. That list, uh, that keeps me from forgetting a lot of things. And so I follow that list really carefully 
But, uh, and, and so I, also too, how many reminders did you need in order to prepare losing an hour today? <laughs> you had to remind yourself or someone else reminded you, make sure you turn your clock forward. We are forgetful people. We need reminders. And for this reason, part of the instructions within uh, the Shema includes certain visual reminders to be placed upon the hand, the forehead, the doorframe, the gate, so that as they went about their day, the instructions served as signs and symbols of the commands and blessings of God. Why we have communion once a month. Remind us of what God has done. Bring us back to that. We have a lot of symbols within our, our relationship with Christ. Reminds us of what God has done for us and how good He is in our lives. Now, how about you? Have you set up any visible reminders throughout your home or your car, maybe where you work, so that you are careful not to lose sight of the work of God in your life? Maybe it's a verse you have uh, taped up somewhere in your house and, and it reminds you each time you go by. I've talked to you about setting your, your uh, phone alarm on a certain time of the day to remind you to be praying for certain people. And it can go along with a certain time of the day. Maybe it's uh, uh, 3.16 in the afternoon, and then you remind of John 3.16 and be able to pray for the lost around you. Or maybe it's a birth date of one of your kids that you can put as an alarm on your phone, and then when that comes up, you pray for that certain child in your life or that person in your life. We need reminders like that, though, that help us. Be reminded of who God is and what He's going to do in our lives. And Moses warned the people not to forget God when they entered the promised land and become prosperous, because that's what was going to happen. They were going to gain all these things, inherit all these different things that God was going to provide for them, and they were going to be prosperous. And prosperity could cause forgetfulness. When they could come into this prosperity, the, the Israelites were to be all the more careful to fear Him and to serve Him. The command to swear or take, take an oath by the name of the Lord re reinforces the instructions to fear Him because a person swears by the God he fears. If they would forget God, they would most likely follow other gods because God created people not only with the capacity to worship, but with the need to worship. We will always gravitate in worshiping something, someone. And God says, I'm the one you need to worship. And this act of unfaithfulness would result in judgment since the Lord is a jealous God. God wants to protect what, he be what belongs to Him alone. So prosperity, more than poverty, can dull our spiritual vision because it tends to make us self-sufficient, and eager to want more of everything except God. So no matter what, don't lose sight of God. And then another requirement on this road of instruction is that you leave the story of God for your children. Leave it for your children. Starting with verse 20, Deuteronomy 6. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations? Decrees and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders, great and terrible, upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. 
But he brought us out from there to bring, bring us in and give us the land that he promised on oath to our forefathers. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. So the commands were to be passed on to the children and their children, primarily because the promises of the inheritance given to the forefathers extended into the future. For Israel, the telling and the retelling of the story rested in the hands of the fathers to be passed on from one generation to the next. And so survival in the promised land was based upon leaving the miraculous story of God for the next generation. God's people were not just told to teach their children God's commands, but also to tell of God's work in their lives. God instructed parents to tell their sons how they were freed from slavery. Remember. And this means that the parents uh, must have experienced God in their own lives and be able to talk about stories of God's grace in their own lives. So, for us, we need to tell. We need to tell our children grandchildren, how God saved you. What did God do in your life? How did He work? Tell them about God's faithfulness. Tell them how God made a way when there was no way. Tell them how God has blessed you. Tell them how God has been a rock in your life. Tell them how He's given you so much joy and how you trust in Him only. Parents and grandparents, we have, we have an obligation to pass on the story of God to our children and our grandchildren. So all of that then, what should we do? How should we do these things? What does it look like in our lives? I think we can go back to the very first part of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and see some practical steps from this first part of that chapter. And there are four important things that we can pull out of that I believe that are good for us to remember and put into practice if we want to continue on this road of instruction. The first thing you can find is verse 2, fear the Lord. It's the beginning of all wisdom, as Proverbs tells us. The phrase fear the Lord appears three times in this chapter, chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, and 14 times in Deuteronomy. It's an important thing. Fear the Lord. And of course, it's not something like a cringing fear that cowers in the corner but a respectful awe, honoring God with deep reverence. He promises that those who fear Him will enjoy long life. So do you worship God with a sense of respectful awe? And another thing, another step here that we should follow in verse 3, obey the Lord. <laughs> that should just be like breathing in and breathing out, right, as a Christian? Obedience appears three times in chapter 6 here in Deuteronomy and 29 times in the book of Deuteronomy. It's an important thing. Not only fear the Lord, but obey the Lord. Moses gives some, uh, several incentives for obedience. In verse 3, he says, so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly. In verse 18, so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land. In verse 24, so that you, may, you might always prosper and be kept alive. We need to be obeying the Lord. What's, what's your, what's your obedience to God meter reading today? 
What's that meter reading today for you? What was it reading last from last week in your obedience to God? Do you need God to do some adjustments in your life to bring that meter reading back into acceptable range? We need to obey the Lord. And then verse 4 and 5, we need to love the Lord. Love the Lord. Moses exhorts the people to love God ten times in Deuteronomy. Again, an important thing to have happen. And of course, Jesus as well says, you will love me if you keep my commands. Love the Lord. Do you truly love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength? And if so, how have you shown that? What does that look like in your life? How does God see that? Do you love Him with all of your being? Or are there certain aspects of your life that need to be surrendered to Him? And finally, from verse 6, we need to take God's Word seriously. Take God's Word seriously. It's not enough to know God's Word. We must take it to heart. It's not enough just to come to church and listen to a pastor preach a sermon and look at God's Word and go, that was great, and put it away and get it back out next Sunday. You need to live it out. You need to take it to heart. You need to absorb it into your life. Let God guide you in His Word throughout the week. It's so important to have the daily devotions. And if you have it in the morning, it directs you and guides you throughout the rest of the day. It anchors you back into God and what He has for you in the day. We must teach it to our children. We must talk about God's Word in the normal pursuits of life, sitting, walking, lying, getting up. So are we, ta- are we taking seriously the instruction to teach God's Word to our children and to our grandchildren? And you know what? Adult children, they're not exempt. If they don't know God's Word, they don't know about it, you still can teach that to them? Can you clearly communicate God's story of redemption to your children, to your grandchildren? Do you meditate on God's Word throughout the day, whether you're walking or sitting or lying down or getting up? Take God's Word seriously. What it says, we need to do. The road of instruction involves listening and learning and, 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 and leaning on God's Word because we have entered into a loving relationship with Him. So let's fear God, let's obey God, let's love God, and let's take God's Word seriously. If there's anything today that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about, that you need to respond to, I trust that you will. Whatever way possible that is meaningful for you, if it's coming to the altar and praying, or if it's right there, staying there and praying, I encourage you, spend time with God in prayer. Either saying, sensing, yes, I agree, Lord, you're right. There's some things in my life that need to be dealt with. And the Holy Spirit will prompt you in that. Maybe the Holy Spirit's prompting you and saying, good job, well done, keep going, keep going. And you'll gain the assurance and encouragement from the Lord in that way. Whatever it is, I just trust that you'll take some time to be able to meditate on what God has brought to you today. And that we become doers of God's word, not just hearers, listeners. We do something about what we've just heard here today from his word. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. They're going to lead us in 
last couple songs. And as they do, again, I trust that you take some time in praying. If you want to come to the altar and pray, you sure can. Uh, let, the, let the songs and music as well, too, kind of minister to your heart and lead you in, in your time with God right now.